Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. would please remain standing for the reading of our scripture today. I will be reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Hear these words. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick who are there, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So today is our fourth and final Sunday in our sermon series, Better Together, Building a Thriving Community. We were made to thrive. God created each one of us to thrive, to thrive in our lives, to thrive in our faith, to thrive in our communities, to thrive in our families. A thriving church, we have discovered, is one with an outpouring of glad and generous hearts. It's one whose leadership is defined by servant leadership. A thriving church is also one where humility is lived as a strength and not as a weakness. And today, as we continue this conversation about a thriving community, it is about one who goes out into mission into the world. In my first year of seminary, each student was required to choose whether it was going to be teaching parish or contextual education. So teaching parish then would mean that you would be assigned a small little church somewhere in obscurity in maybe the North Georgia mountains. You would go to school and you would pastor that church. Or you would sign up for 
contextual education, and that would place you in various settings. And so if you were going to be in contextual education, you had to pick your choices of where you wanted to be placed. And so when I was registering, I made my first, second, and third choices. The first one was I wanted to be in a hospital. I wanted to walk with a chaplain and learn what it meant to be a chaplain in a hospital because I figured that I was going to be spending a lot of time in a hospital. So I wanted that. That was my first choice. My second choice was something called the Decatur Cooperative Ministry. Most cities have a Decatur Cooperative Ministry, or not a Decatur, but a Cooperative Ministry, where people from the community come in and you help them with financial assistance and with food. That was my second choice. And I chose those two because they were convenient to my schedule. They worked with my schedule. I liked that. The third one was not really an option for me, and it was my third choice because, again, it wasn't convenient for me and did not work with my schedule. This one would be at a women's shelter. This was in downtown Decatur because I was at Emory, which is in Decatur. So it was downtown Decatur. And it would be at a women's shelter in the evening or on weekends. So I was a young mom with kids and I wanted to be home for my family. and. I decided that that was my third choice. It really wasn't even a choice that I wanted. And so when I got my schedule, and you know which one I got. <laughs> yes, I did. I got my third choice, which really wasn't my choice at all. It was inconvenient to me. However, um, I tried to change it with the registration office and with my contextual ed group, not a chance. And I actually tried to change it, too, with some 20-somethings who were in the group because I figured, they don't have to get home, but nobody would budge. And so I was going to be going to a women's shelter. But if I'm honest with you, it wasn't just that it was inconvenient for my schedule. It was also that I thought I would be uncomfortable there. I mean, it's one thing to volunteer once or twice in some place and then leave. It's an entirely different thing to volunteer for a full semester. And so I, I, I didn't know what I had in common with these women. These women were coming from uh, relationships, boyfriends and husbands that were after them. They were coming from domestic wreckage. And I was living a pretty comfortable life. And I was intimidated by this and didn't know what on earth could I offer them. Why would I be going there? So I stood there with the other students on that first evening. It was a Thursday. It was about 5.30. Awkward and unsure of what to say and what to do and how I would be received. And the doors opened, and slowly the women and the children made their way in. They were tired. And if you know anything about a shelter, then the women have rooms with their kids that they can, they can put all their stuff when they join the shelter. Um, but when they leave for the day, they go out. They have to have everything with them that they need because they can't access their stuff during the day. So the children were usually at school. And the women were either at work or looking for work. So they came in, 
<clears throat> tired. You could see the tiredness in their eyes and their body language. And they came in. And when they came in, they saw us newbies, a new, new seminary students. And they were very gracious to us. And they smiled at us. And they welcomed us. And we sat down to talk. And then another uh, church had brought in a meal. We sat down for a meal together, and I sat next to a woman with two kids, and they didn't want to talk about themselves. They wanted to ask us questions, and so they asked us about our school. They asked us about our life. They asked us about our families, if we had one. And so that's how I spent my first evening. And when I left, one of the women that I was sitting next to with the two little kids, she looked at me, and she said to me, Julie, thank you for coming tonight. And thank your family, too. I got into my car. It, was a, it had been a long day. My classes started at 8 a.m. And I was, by the time I got home, it was going to be almost 9 p.m. I got into my car, and I thought to myself about what I thought was an inconvenient time for me. And I realized that it might have been inconvenient for me and might not have worked with my schedule, but it was convenient for God. And I was right where God needed me to be at exactly the right time. And so that was a very fruitful semester for me in ministry. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about their graciousness and their kindness toward me. That's how it is sometimes, I think. Maybe you've experienced it too. Your schedule gets changed and you've got to change things around. Maybe it wasn't your first or your second choice with things. It messes everything up. Sometimes our lives just get messed up. Your child maybe doesn't get the teacher that you wanted your child to get. Or maybe they don't get put on that team that you wanted them to get put on. Or maybe when you're doing college selections, you don't get the college of your first choice. It might even be your job. You apply for a job, and this is your dream job, but you don't get it. Or maybe it's that house, that dream house you wanted, and you've done everything that you can to get it, and you make a flyer. You know, you, I had to do this, by the way. That's how I know this. You, put, you had to make a flyer. You had to put your family picture on there and a little summary of who you are. And then you give it to the realtor and the homeowner. And you hope, you hope that they're going to choose you to buy their home. Only to discover that your dream home is going to somebody else. Later, much later often, we look back. And we discover, you discover, that the blessings and the joys of that decision come to light. And you realize that even though it might not have been your first or your second choice, you landed exactly where it is that you needed to be, and you realize that God's hand had been in it all along. As we look to our scripture today, in Luke's gospel, 70 followers of Jesus are being sent out. And I couldn't help but wonder if they had a checklist of their first, their second, and their third choices of the locations to which they wanted to go. Maybe they wanted to go to Galilee. That seems like a pretty good place to visit. Or maybe their second choice, well, probably not their second choice, maybe their third or last choice was Samaria. 
They will not like visiting them, so that could be a very difficult thing. Or maybe heading down to Judea and visiting Bethlehem, maybe that'll be the second choice. Or maybe Nazareth, that's a pretty good place. Not much happens in Nazareth, so it should be a pretty easy visit. Some of the followers might even be surprised at being called out and say, who, me? Why are you sending me? You've got 12 disciples, send them. Jesus already did. It's time for the mission to get bigger and broader and deeper to the ends of the earth. From the very beginning of Genesis, we hear that in chapter 10. And in Luke's gospel and even into Acts, anticipating the mission of the nations that would have begun after Pentecost. Go <laughs> and be on your way. There must have been some reluctance by some, especially when we take a look at this, this piece of scripture. Jesus appoints 70. It doesn't say that they volunteered. It doesn't say that they got a sign-up genius and registered for it. He appoints them and he sends them out. I'm sure there had to have been somebody that said, who, me? I'm not going to go. I'm sure there was someone who said no, because right before this passage of Scripture in Luke's Gospel, somebody, Jesus says, follow me. And he says, well, wait a minute, i got to go bury my father. And Jesus says to him, it's not very, it's a little harsh, let the dead bury their own, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still, there was another one that said, on the road to Jesus, he said, I will follow you, but I, and Jesus doesn't want excuses. But who's to say that those would-be followers won't come back and join Jesus? We don't know. Maybe they do. I think a lot of people do. Once they've thought about it, but we can see where there would be reluctance if we looked at that passage because he's sending them out two by two. I hope that at least if they couldn't ch choose their location, they could at least choose their traveling partner. But if we know Jesus, they probably didn't do that either. They're to go and they're to prepare and lay the groundwork for Jesus to come in. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's plenty of people who do not know the love and the grace and the healing of Jesus Christ, but not enough to do the hard work. Maybe, maybe it's just not convenient, or maybe it's not their first or second choice in how to spend their time. It's not easy to go out into the mission field, especially knowing that you will not always be well received. There will be wolves, and you are to be lambs. You're to be non-anxious, you're supposed to bring peace and calm even if people reject the message that you bring, even if you want to help them and if they turn you down, you still remain a lamb. If you've ever been on a mission trip, then it shouldn't surprise any one of us that um, you bring a lot of items with you. You pack those suitcases full of stuff. I mean, you bring in clothes, extra clothes, work clothes, bug spray, snacks, hats, all kinds of toiletries for the just-in-case, just-in-case I'm going to encounter this. When I went to Kenya, I was told to bring extra snacks, and we brought those tuna, the, the, yeah, uh, those packages of tuna that are sealed, and they have them seasoned now as if that makes it better, but there's these sealed, and then packages of peanut butter crackers. 
And the reason you bring them is because there's not a convenience store at every corner. I couldn't help but wonder what the packing list looked like for our folks who went to Alaska. What if we told them that according to this here in, in Luke, they shouldn't have brought anything with them? I wonder if they would go. I'm not sure I would go. To bring nothing with you for the journey? Jesus is asking the 70 to bring peace. When you visit a home and you're offered a drink and you're offered food, accept that generosity. Accept that hospitality. And stay there. Don't start looking for the next best place. And don't talk to people on the road. Be diligent and persevere where it is that God has placed you at this point. Don't waste time because the kingdom of God is near. So going out in the name of Jesus is serious business. We don't take it lightly. And if someone does not like, someone does not like your message, you simply just shake it off the rug and you move on. Let God handle that. Sometimes we think we have to handle the things that God handles and God will take care of people's hearts. We just need to prepare the soil. But the mission field does not always require us to pack up a suitcase and get on an airplane. Sometimes it's a matter of somebody else maybe packing something, getting on an airplane, and coming here. You may remember several months ago, one of our members, Nancy O'Donnell, is Nancy here? I thought I saw her earlier. There's, there she is. She's in the very, very, very back. Nancy O'Donnell. Um, she shared about a ministry, a welcoming arms ministry for refugees. And she was talking about partnering with churches here in Marietta and working with the community in Clarkston. And for those of you who may not know, Clarkston houses a good many of the refugees that come to the Atlanta area. And so she began this work with the area churches and Clarkston and shared and building relationships with the families there. We had two of those families join us several months ago, a Congolese family and a Ukrainian family. And she talked about the ministry that we're doing, talked a little bit about their stories, and then most recently she shared an update with me. And as she was sharing this update with me, I realized, I realized as she was sharing it, that she was talking about the inbreaking of the kingdom of God right here in our church, right here among us. And so I want to share with you a little bit of that update if I can. It's the Beilongandi Be family. I know I pronounced that wrong, but I apologize. Six kids from the ages of four to 18. They arrived in the U.S. in January after spending five years in a Ugandan refugee camp. And they were forced to flee from their homeland, which was the Democratic Republic of Congo. They arrived in this country with nothing. Both parents are now, they're in Clarkston, they're in an apartment, they're working, and all of the kids, with the exception of one, are in school. And the reason that one of them is not in school, it is their 13-year-old daughter who has severe neurological issues. She is, wheel bound, she is in a wheelchair bound, and she's nonverbal. And this is a result of an attack on their home when they lived in the Congo. 
Nancy and others have extended hospitality to this family. They've spent many hours with them, visiting with them, uh, bringing, inviting them to church, and even going to their church. I think they're at Ebenezer Baptist Church. She and her team have also shared with them the major landmarks here in Atlanta, invited them to the Great American Family Picnic on the 4th of July, and even invited their children to her pool. They'd never been in a swimming pool before. Through many generous donations, they've provided this family with much-needed furniture. Their apartment was bleak, and now it feels like a home. But that's not all. Through the leadership of Tim Boone and the Talk About It Sunday School class, they have received commitments for money to purchase a van that will accommodate this family. Their goal is to gift them with a van and a one-year one year insurance policy. It will be life-changing for this family. Could you imagine six children? How would you cart them around, especially one that is bound in a wheelchair? The second family is the Chudik family. Andre and er Irina, they have three kids, and they escaped from the Ukraine. They were originally sponsored by Northside United Methodist Church, and then in 2023, they came to the U.S. in 2022. In 2023, they moved to our wonderful community here in Marietta. And they brought this to our attention and have been working with Reverend Ryan um, regarding helping this family. Andre is a craftsman, and he's working with a construction company in Arena, is, was at home with her three kids. They had no transportation. He had to use the transportation to take him to work. And she has almost no English. She knows very little English. Nancy and her team, once again, have been extending hospitality to them, spending time with them, making them feel welcomed and loved and valued. Recently, the church helped with a generous donation and made scholarships, this blows my mind, made scholarships available to their two-year-old twins to attend our five-day preschool. Five days someone has paid for their kids to go to our weekday preschool. This gives them an opportunity to learn English, to learn our culture, and to make friends. And one day in our staff meeting, Reverend Blair asked if anyone knew of anyone that was looking for work because Irina was at home. She has very little English as well. And so we're sitting there in staff, and Jamie Hills, who is our director of preschool, turns to her and says, well, what exactly are we looking for here? What, is she, what skills does she have? And they have a short conversation. And there in that meeting, Jamie Hills says, I I've got a place for her. So she is now working as an assistant teacher in our weekday preschool. She, too, is learning English, making friends, and learning our culture. It's a gift of hospitality that we're extending to this family. But that's not even it. That's not even it. Northside is working with the Chudiks to give them a second car until Irina passes her driver's license. And it's a little bit different to drive here in the U.S. than it is in the Ukraine. The Welcoming Arms Ministry is providing transportation for this family right now to and from the preschool so she can go to work and so that those kids can go to school. 
And our Discovery Sunday School class with our young families is inviting them to events on the square and inviting them to join them in their Sunday School class. At any point, someone could have said, no, not me. I don't have time. It's not convenient for me. But they didn't. Jesus says, go. But going may not mean that you have to travel halfway around the world. The mission field's all around us. It's in our neighborhoods. It's on the square. It's in the weekday preschool. Jesus says, go, because it's what thriving communities do. Bring peace. Extend hospitality. Offer words of kindness. And maybe if somebody needs a little bit of extra help on their rent or with a car or with just a hand to hold, they're there. What does the mission field look like in your neighborhood? Who do you know that is struggling? Who do you know that is hurting? Who do you know that is worthy of God's love and grace and peace? Now, maybe it's not the right time for you. Maybe you need to think about it. Maybe it's not convenient. But it might just be the right time for God. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I believe that there is a good Samaritan in all of us. Who, me, you might be asking? Yes. You. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at MarietaFUMC.org or on Facebook at MarietaFUMC.org.